you guys haven't checked that out, you should check it out. Um, but um, so in thinking of a word and, and thinking of a word to study, uh, I studied out truth. And uh, so I looked at truth and how it's used throughout scripture uh, to see how God defines truth. And it's a really beautiful study. Um, and it continues to be very profound and insightful for me uh, to look back on. It's something that I think on often. And it's uh, something that I filter a lot of my thoughts and processes through. Um, and I've been thinking of that for three months now. Um, so um, how I landed there and studying out truth in the Bible is um, I've been studying out uh, Unitarianism, which is uh, a religious practice, I guess, a philosophy. I don't know what you want to call it. Um, but I have an uncle who's a minister in the Unitarian Church. And um, it proclaims to be a sect of Christianity, um, which it's, it's not. Um, it's a, a place where Muslims and, and Christians and Jews and Hindus and, and Buddhists and agnostics and atheists can all gather around and worship together. Um, it's a place where they read from various different sacred texts, um, and it's a lot of inspirational teaching. Um, but at the center of it, there's an absence of truth, right? Um, at the center of it, all these texts contradict each other, um, so there can't really actually be unity in that, right? Um, and it's something that's perplexed me, and as I began to consider my friends uh, in the arts and in uh, academia, uh, I saw the same vain pursuit that they uh, kind of lived out. Um, they became their own gods. Um, they became um, the judge of what truth was. It was um, by their feelings and desires and whatever felt right. Um, to some, it became philosophy, which is this really empty and horrible pursuit of who knows what. Um, math, science, um, none of that gives an answer to truth. Um, and I've studied a lot, and I've looked a lot of places, and um, this is the only answer. This is truth. Um, so we'd be good, we'd, we'd be smart to take heed to this. So that's why I'm gonna preach from the Bible. Yeah. <clears throat> so we're gonna be in Ephesians 4. So if you guys wanna turn there with me, uh, and we're gonna camp out there today. So the title of the message is Truth and Love, and love is the only place that we find truth, which is awesome. God is love. If we look in uh, 1 John 4, 8, it says that God is love, and uh, we see this love manifest in the person of Jesus Christ, right? Uh, he came down on earth as someone who is uh, fully God and at the same time fully man. It's a mystery. It's something that we can't completely understand, um, but he lived a perfect life sinless, and then he died. And um, Jesus saw our sin. Um, he saw that it separated us from a holy God. Um, he saw that the wages of our sin, what it earned us was death. And, and he loved us so much um, that he paid for our death uh, by dying in our place. And with that, uh, he gave us his life, um, if we accept it, which is the caveat, right? Um, if we accept it, uh, it's a free gift from God. Um, and that is truth and love. That is, like, we could wrap up the message right now and go about our day 
um, because at the center of it, that's what that's what love is. That's what truth is, um, and that's something that's so deep and so profound uh, that we can dwell on that uh, for the rest of eternity. And guess what? We will dwell on that for the rest of eternity, right? Um, but there's more, um, which is why we are in Ephesians four. Um, Ephesians uh, is an epistle. It's a letter written um, from uh, the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus, right? Um, it's a beautiful book um, uh, to look at, to pull doctrine from. Um, and uh, the book very simply um, outlines um, our position in Christ um, and what it looks like to walk in light of that position. That's what the, the entirety of the book is. And in chapter four is where these two ideas kind of collide, right? Um, it begins with Paul um, charging uh, the, the church at Ephesus to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith uh, they are called. Uh, and if we pick it up in verse 8, uh, Paul writes, Wherefore he saith, He, being Christ, uh, he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Uh, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Um, that's a huge passage. And as a disclaimer, um, there's no way for me to dissect all of that and present it beautifully to you. Um, there's just way too much there to unpack. Um, to do it like well, we'd need months, and I don't think Brandon's going to let me preach on this passage for months. But if you want to, <laughs> I'm your guy. I'm your guy. <clears throat> um, but there's a lot of gold here. Um, uh, there's also just a lot of things that we won't get to, so bear with me. Um, I know uh, verses 9 and 10, I'm just going to kind of skip over that. Um, not because I'm ignoring it, because there's some beautiful insight there. There's gold there. Um, but I'm going to leave that somewhere for you guys. Um, but the first point for study is that when Christ ascended up on high, he gave gifts unto men. <clears throat> so we see that in verse 8, right? It says, um, wherefore he saith, um, when he ascended up on high, him being Christ, uh, he led uh, captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And this is pretty cool to me because I'm, I'm a man, right? And you guys are... Our human, we are humanity, right? So we are men, and I like gifts. Actually, I, I find that everybody likes gifts, and um, I find this so much that I'm so strongly a believer of this uh, that I put all my eggs in the basket saying that people love gifts, and I started working at a jewelry store where people buy gifts for significant others. And it's keeping me employed, and it's paying me quite nice, and... Uh, me and Lisa, uh, we're loving it, we're, we're cherishing it. Um, so, um, my income relies on the fact that people love gifts. 
Um, but with this, um, the knowledge that Jesus Christ died, that he rose again, um, that I'm part of humanity, and that Christ gave humanity a gift, I want to know what that gift is, right? If someone has a gift for you, you're not going to just like leave it in the package. You're going to open it so you can know what's in there, right? If we're smart, uh, we want to know <laughs> what the gift is so that we can claim it, so we can use it, um, so that we can take heed to it. Um, and if we're following God's track record, he gives like really good gifts. Matthew 7, 11 says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, um, how much more should your father which is in heaven give, give uh, good gifts unto them to ask him? Um, and God gave me eternal life, right? He gave me a mom and a dad that are really awesome. Uh, we just came from 1 Samuel and got rocked. Um, and man, we should be thankful for our parents, right? Um, so I want to know what these gifts are. So if we jump down to verse 11, um, he tells us what the gifts are because God's good. Uh, he's not holding back any secrets from us. Uh, it says that he gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Did you know that Brandon is a gift from God? Amen. How cool is that? It's his birthday and he's like a gift from God to us. <clears throat> uh, Sam Miles is a gift from God. Uh, Mark Trotter is a gift from God. Uh, did you know that Kendall and Alvaro, they go um, every Tuesday after prayer. They go to Blind Tiger with the sole intent to evangelize. Do you know that those brothers are gifts to God for our body? Um, that they would take that time, they'd stay up late and shoot pool and talk about Jesus with complete strangers. How awesome is that? <clears throat> um, so it says that when he ascended to heaven, he gave us um, these people, right? Uh, the gifts were, were pastors, the gifts were evangelists, the gifts were uh, prophets and teachers. Um, and we see uh, these in, uh, individuals taking advantage um, of the church, uh, the word, and the spirit. Those are three things that Christ left in his absence, right? Um, so a teacher, a pastor, uh, they function through the structure of the church. They function, they function through the structure of the local church. Uh, they preach the word and the power of the spirit, right? Uh, so God left them, God left us um, the body, his body, which is the church. He left us his word, uh, a complete word. He left us his spirit, and not only that, he gave us uh, preachers, he gave us teachers um, that function through those three things um, to help us, right? Uh, so why, what is the purpose of this gift? How can, we, how can we use this gift? What does that look like in our lives? We have Brandon, what do we do with him, right? <laughs> is he just going to sit around? No, it says that his function, his purpose in our life, uh, verse 12, is for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edification of the body. We want to know what his role is. That way, we can keep him accountable to that, right? Um, if he is not functioning in light of what he needs to be doing, if we're not functioning as evangelists, as teachers, in light of what we need to be doing, um, then we're useless, right? Um, a spoon that doesn't like pick up soup is good for nothing. I don't know. I don't know what you do with a spoon outside of that. Um, so if we have a if we have a function, if we have a purpose, uh, then we want to know what that is so that we can walk in light of that. And the Bible tells us, verse twelve tells us that uh, the function, the purpose of a teacher, the purpose of a pastor, the purpose of an evangelist, of a prophet, is to perfect the saints. Uh, it's for the work of the ministry and it's for the edification of the body. 
Um, if we go to the next slide, um, we see that perfect means mature. I put m maturation. I don't know if that's actually a word, but is it? Yeah, I'm smart. <laughs> Autocorrect didn't say anything, so I left it like that. <clears throat> but uh, to be mature, to, to be perfect means to be mature, right? It's not this uh, blameless, or it's, it is blameless, but it's not um, sinless. Like, we, we won't be um, perfect, right? There's nothing that we can do um, to be the best person in the world. Um, but he gives pastors and teachers uh, to mature the saints. So we want to know what a saint is, right? If it's for the, the maturity, it's for the, if it's for the maturation of the saints, uh, we need to establish context. Who is he talking to? Uh, saints are believers, right? Um, they are disciples. They're people that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and they follow him. Uh, Jesus uh, says in John 3, actually, if you guys want to turn there, This is a, a dialogue that he's having with Nicodemus, which is a, a religious ruler, right? And he tells them, he says, Verily, uh, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And, and Nicodemus is perplexed by this, and he says, How can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And, and Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, uh, except a man be born of water, and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Um, so he's talking of a, a second birth, right? He's talking of a spiritual birth. And just like we needed um, parents in our life to, to raise us up as a child, uh, whenever we are a new believer, whenever we're born again, uh, we need pastors, we need uh, evangelists, we need teachers um, to raise us up, to invest in us, um, to speak truth and love to us, um, that we can be matured um, as a believer, right? <clears throat> so he's talking about a, a spiritual birth. So except a, more, a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It takes a second birth. Um, so this maturity uh, is dedicated uh, to a believer, right? Um, he's saying um, that pastors are given for the maturity of believers, uh, for uh, babies, for infants in the faith, um, that they might be mature, um, for their perfecting. Uh, next, we see it's for the work of the ministry. <clears throat> uh, so what is the work, right? Uh, what is the work of the ministry? What does that look like? Uh, does that look like us going down to, I don't know, like Costa Rica and like building structures for people down there? No, it's not about physical labor, right? <clears throat> um, does that look like us like feeding the poor? I guess so. It can look like that, but it's not about meeting their physical needs. It's a spiritual matter, right? Um, Jesus came to seek and save those uh, which were lost, right? Not those which were found, not the spiritually alive, not to seek and save uh, the, the lost. He came for the people that didn't know him. Um, he commissioned us to go and to teach all nations, um, not to, to feed all nations, um, he, in 2 Corinthians 5.18, uh, says that all things are of God who hath reconciled us to him by Jesus Christ and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. That's our ministry. Our ministry is reconciliation. Um, <clears throat> reconciling the lost back to Christ, um, reconciling the, the, the dead back to life, uh, the work of our ministry 
um, is to the spiritually lost. It's to uh, those that are dead spiritually to, to share uh, the gospel, to make Christ known. Um, this gift isn't only uh, to saints, but it's to the world, right? Um, the pastors, the evangelists, the preachers, um, it's not only to mature the saints, um, but it's to go to, to, to seek out those who are lost. Um, it's to, to reach the people uh, that don't know Christ, that they can have a relationship with him. Um, God so loved the world, right? He didn't just love the church. He loved the world uh, that he gave his only begotten son for them. <clears throat> and lastly, we see um, that their purpose, that their function is for the edification of the body. Um, in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 12, um, uh, it tells us uh, that the body has many members, right? Has many uh, members in particular. And that every member, uh, all of us are important. We're crucial uh, parts of the body. Um, no matter um, how feeble, no matter how lowly we may seem, uh, the body needs us. Um, no matter if you're pinky, or if you're nose, or if you're head, or whatever your function is, uh, we need you. Um, when you hurt, we hurt. Um, when my pinky toe's gone, then like I'm all wobbly because I, I don't know. I need it. I need, right? We, we need uh, every part of our body. Um, so he gives uh, these pastors, he gives um, these teachers, these leaders in the, the church, and these gifts from God, um, not only for us individually, not only uh, for the lost world, um, but for us collectively um, to unify us as one body uh, that we might be healthy, right? If our body doesn't function together with itself, and this one's going over here, and this one's going over here, then I can't really walk very well, right? Uh, we need to walk together, um, which is why he calls them um, to um, mature the body, to, to edify uh, the body, to build up the body. Um, to um, It says working together in the pursuit of the same thing, uh, to compact uh, by that which every joint supplieth. Uh, to grow up the body, right? As they're um, reaching the lost world, they're adding to the body such uh, daily tips as should be saved and growing it up, making it mature. Um, it requires individuals that are mature. Um, it requires individuals um, that aren't mature, right? Um, <clears throat> that could work together. Um, and all these things sound great, right? Uh, we have the three. We have um, uh, for maturity, we have for the work of the ministry, uh, we have for edification, um, but how do we measure these things, right? So we, we see these things are true, we see what their purpose is, um, but how can we know that that's a reality in our life? How can we know that that's a reality in, in our church body? Um, so we'd uh, read on, right? Ephesians. <clears throat> so what in? So if you'll read... Um, on with me, verse 13. It says, uh, Till we come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God into the perfect stature of the fullness of Christ. That's a pretty awesome end. Um, so it says, Until we come to unity, um, till we come into the knowledge of the Son of God and uh, the perfect stature of the fullness of Christ, until we conform to the image of Christ, right? Um, so it says, um, We all come in the unity of the faith, not some, but all. Uh, God's will is that um, all would be saved. Um, it's funny um, thinking of Unitarianism, um, which is something that has been whirling around in my mind for this past couple of months. Um, but I've been reading a book, 
is called Chosen Faith, and it's written about um, this church. It's written about this movement um, for skeptics, for people that don't understand it, uh, to try and shed light on it. And in the introduction of this book, um, it says something that I thought was just like crazy, and I, I had to share with you. It says, in our circle of faith, when two or more gather, a loving argument is a sure sign that the Spirit is moving amongst us. Does that even make sense? It says, in our circle of faith, when two or more gathered, a loving argument is a sure sign that the Spirit is moving amongst us. So division is a sure sign that we're doing it right. That doesn't make sense. A house divided, like, it falls, right? It doesn't make sense. Um, there's no unity in that. Um, division is not comforting. Division is not a sign of unity. And to be called Unitarian, where your soul, like your soul claim to the world is that you're united, um, for uh, a loving argument to be a sign that the, the spirit is moving makes literally it makes zero sense. Um, it collapses within itself. Um, <clears throat> but in the text, Paul further explains um, endeavoring to keep the unity. Right, um, that's something that should be true of us. That's something that's our our eighth ministry principle out of nine is that we uh, endeavor to keep, to keep unity. We, we fight for unity. And I'm so thankful that we're a part of a, a body um, where unity is something that's sought after, um, where leadership is not divided, where um, they don't have separate ideas and opinions, um, but we all come together in the unity of the faith under one word. Um, and it's so rare um, in churches today. Um, I just think of conversations I've had um, with Kenny Morgan, even of his time in New York, and how really it was just really, really difficult because the leadership of the church that he was at, um, they weren't unified. They had different ideas, they had different ideologies, they had different ministry philosophies, and, and it didn't produce fruit, right? It was, it was in vain, so much so that he, he came back and, and sought unity at home. Um, I think of, of churches um, that I've seen that I've known. Um, where there wasn't unity within the leadership and it dies, right? It crumbles, um, it can't exist. Um, a house that's not unified falls. Um, unified faith is a sign of maturity, it's a sign of edification, um, and the work of the ministry is taking place. Uh, this is something that we need, uh, that we can't take for granted, right? Um, most churches, like I said, don't have this. Um, I think of the Godhead is three in one, right? And just like that, as one body, we are to be one body. Um, although we are members, although we are members uh, in particular, we're individuals, uh, we're a part of the body of Christ. Um, uh, e pluribus unum, it's on like the pennies, um, but it means um, out of the multiplicity, we are one. Like we're one body, we're one nation. Um, and that's how we should look as the body of Christ. <coughs> So we are to come uh, in the unity of the faith. That's one sign uh, that this is taking place, uh, but also the knowledge of the Son of God. Um, this is discipleship. Um, we spent a whole month on this, right? We are to, to constantly um, be uh, scavenging, devouring this word uh, that we could know it, um, not just so we can have um, this awesome knowledge and be puffed up in scripture and, and to be able to, to give an answer to any naysayer, um, but that we could know God, who's our Father, right? 
uh, that we could spend time and to seek his face and have a personal relationship with the creator of the universe because he loves us, um, because he, he died for us. Um, that's the heart um, in, in us seeking the word. That's the heart of us knowing the Bible uh, frontwards and backwards, right? Um, I praise God that we attend a church uh, that takes biblical discipleship seriously. Um, I thank God that we attend a church um, that believers, um, uh, that, that, that every member uh, of the body um, can and is expected to know the word for him and or herself. Um, I praise God that our, our church invests in them. Um, they don't just leave you to figure it out by yourself. Um, that there's not a huge gap between the leadership and the congregation, yeah. right? Um, where um, we blindly follow the pastor wherever he leads us. No, Sam expects us, Brandon expects us um, to, to read the scriptures, to check them, um, to ask questions, to know it for ourselves. Um, we're not blindly just following whoever's leading us. Um, I praise God that we attend a church that systematically teaches and equips the body uh, to know the Bible intimately, right? Uh, if you guys have questions, uh, this is something that we are very passionate about, that everybody would know um, the word for themselves, that everybody would be able to divide the scriptures. Um, cost of discipleship is starting up, right? You, you want to be there if you haven't gone through that. Um, if you have questions, meet with me, find Brandon, find a leader after service, and, and talk about it, because you need to know how to divide the word. Uh, it is truth, and it is um, what we, we hold to. Um, so something that you need to get a, a handle of for yourself. <clears throat> also, we have Bible studies. Yeah. We meet Thursdays. So if you guys aren't in, this, uh, in a Bible study, uh, me and Uriah, we, we meet at Uriah's house. Um, there's various Bible studies throughout the metro. Um, so you want to get plugged in so you can uh, learn the word. Um, next, until you come into a perfect man, uh, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We need to be conformed to the image of Christ, right? Um, we must be new creatures. Uh, we're called to be peculiar people. Uh, we're called to be Christians. Um, in Acts 11, if you guys want to turn there with me, it's an amazing passage. Um, it talks about um, the first Christians, right? The first time people are referred to Christians. Um, Acts 11, uh, verse 26, it says, when he had found him, um, he brought him out of Antioch. Oh, that's Yeah, it is. Uh, and it came to pass uh, that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. <clears throat> so it came to pass uh, that whole year they assembled, so they were unified as one body, right? Um, they, taught, uh, they taught much people, they grew in knowledge, um, and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. They were conformed to the image of Christ, uh, so much so um, that they were called Christians. They were called little Christ. They were called um, uh, followers of, of Jesus. Uh, these people were so different. Uh, they had changed so much um, that they were persecuted and being made fun of for being like Christ. Man, I wish that was true of us, right? Um, they were completely transformed, so much so uh, that the society that they were in uh, acknowledged that they were different people uh, and they were persecuted because of it. Um, we have to be conformed, we have to change, we can't be the same person um, today that we were um, when we first started following Christ, right? Um, we should look different because we are maturing, because we are growing up, 
um, into um, the, the person of Jesus Christ, right? That's what should be true of us. Um, so we can see um, that the function of the pastor, that the function of the evangelist, that the function um, of the missionary is taking place uh, when we are unified as one body, um, when we are um, growing in the knowledge of the scriptures, um, but then when we are completely different people, right? Uh, when we look on ourselves and uh, before we were down here and now we're up here and we don't even recognize ourselves because we have like beards now and it's weird. <laughs> Uh, but because we're growing up, right, into the person that is Christ, um, we're called to be peculiar people, we're called to be Christians, um, so we should live like it. <clears throat> so we can observe the, the reality of these gifts um, and how they're effective in our lives as we grow into unity, as we grow in uh, the knowledge of the Son of God, uh, as we're conformed to the image of Christ. Um, but what are the gifts countering, right? Um, if not for these gifts, uh, what would happen? What would be our fate? Um, and uh, as we read on verse 14 it says that we henceforth be no more uh, children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine uh, by the slight of men uh, and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and, and wait to deceive and uh, I'm an older brother I've got a, a younger brother and um, whenever you're an older brother an older sibling you can convince your younger siblings to do a lot of like, stupid stuff. And they'll do it willingly because, I don't know, you're powerful, they look up to you. And <clears throat> so we're called to be no more children, right? Um, tossed to and fro. And I'm just thinking of just like tons of instances where I'd have my brother just do like outlandish stuff. And he'd be like gun ho about it. It's like, yeah, this is what I need to do. Like, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> it's like, sweet. And I took advantage of it. It was a horrible thing. Uh, but that's what he's trying to counteract. He doesn't want us to be that little kid uh, that's following your older brother doing who knows what, doing something stupid, um, following the crowd, jumping off bridges into water where it's like dangerous and you can't even swim and crazy. You don't want to do that, right? Um, so you want to be mature. You want to be built up. That is your fate. Um, if, if this isn't taking place, you're going to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Um, I look at um, friends um, and how uh, they're constantly um, changing, right? Uh, their, their philosophy is constantly changing. Um, they're vegans now and carnivores later, and that's <laughs> whatever. I like meat, and that's not changing. So it is what it is. Um, but uh, religious ideology is just, it's just, constantly changing uh, with every wind of doctrine. Uh, whenever the, the latest um, book comes out uh, or the self-help or whatever it is, um, they're wavering back and forth um, and going from one end to the other and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And, and really, there, there's just no solidity, right? And, and Christ, he's our rock. He's unmovable. He's unchanging. Um, uh, his word never changes. And we want to be established, right? We want to be unified as one body um, together. We want to be mature. We want to be grown up. Uh, we want to have knowledge so that whenever these uh, winds of doctrines come through, uh, whenever um, the, the slight of man, um, the cunning craftiness whereby we lie and wait to deceive, it sounds like Lucifer, right? Um, yea, yea, did he say? You know, questioning God's word. Uh, whenever that comes back, uh, we want to have an answer. First um, uh, John 4, 1 says, uh, Beloved, 
uh, believe not every spirit, um, but try the spirits where they, uh, whether they are of God, uh, because many false prophets are gone out in the world. Um, and it takes one with the knowledge of the Son of God. Um, it takes a mature believer to be able to discern the spirits, to be able to try these spirits, right? Um, but uh, we want to be equipped. We want to be established. We need pastors. We need um, evangelists. We need that so that whenever these winds of doctrines, whenever Satan comes knocking on our door, um, that we're not tossed off a rocker. <coughs> he uses uh, deceptions. Um, he, he lies to us uh, and tries to deceive us. He questions God wor uh, God's word um, and tries to, to get us out of unity, right? Um, <coughs> that's how he works, just like a wolf to divide one sheep and then devour it. <coughs> so we learned that God gave us a gift. Um, he gave us teachers. Um, we seek, uh, or we see that the teachers uh, were given for maturity, for the perfecting of the saints, uh, for the work of the ministry, uh, and the edification of the body. Um, so your teachers, your Bible study leaders, uh, ministry leaders, um, these need to be true of you, right? Is this true of your life um, as a, a teacher, as um, a leader? Um, are you uh, maturing the saints? Are you investing in uh, the people underneath you? Are you seeking out the lost? Uh, are you edifying the body and building it up? Um, what is your role in that? <coughs> um, we see that we can tangibly track these things uh, by observing uh, unity in the faith, uh, by growing in the knowledge of the Son of God, uh, by being conformed to his image. Uh, we know that this takes place uh, so that we are established, so that we're solid, so that we're unmovable. Uh, able to withstand the winds of false doctrines uh, that are sure to blow. Um, God can't exist because of evolution. Like, no, that's hogwash, right? <clears throat> uh, we need to be able to counter these so that we're um, not swayed uh, by every wind of doctrine. Um, but we... <clears throat> um, we need to, to know how to do this, right? Um, so we know what to do, we know the purpose of it, but now we need to know how. Um, verse 15 says that speaking truth and love uh, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, being Christ. Um, so we see the who, we see the what, we see the why, and now we're seeing the how. Uh, how will this take place? Um, we know that they're in our life for a reason. We see the purpose, but how is that being manifested? And, and he lays it out very simply. He says it's truth and love. And um, before I dive into that, um, I've been reading a lot of like modern philosophy and ideology, uh, just um, a lot of writings and texts that came about at the turn of the 20th century, so moving into the 1900s, right? Um, it's the rise of moderni modernism uh, and just this new wave of thought that's taking place. And uh, Bertrand Russell, he's um, an incredibly prolific and important philosopher uh, that came out um, just really at the turn of the century. Um, He's a mathematician, he's a scholar, um, he's incredibly thoughtful, um, and he ushered a new wave of philosophy, uh, laying the, the, the foundation for analytical philosophy, um, and kind of using math and statistics as a basis to, for proofs. Um, <coughs> and uh, I've got a little um, excerpt from a, a letter that he wrote that I wanted uh, to read to you guys. Um, at the end of his studies, trying to, to make a proof for arithmetic, right? Who does that? Um, <coughs> but he's trying to 
um, give logic to something that we use for certainty, right? Um, we don't question arithmetic, we don't question math, um, but he saw that as the first thing he had to conquer in order to have certainty. Um, so in his effort to do this, um, he, he, he wrote this letter around the same time that he published his findings um, in like 1901. Uh, but it says, uh, we found Miss Whitehead undergoing an unusual severe bout of pain. She seemed cut off from everyone and everything by walls of agony and the sense of solitude of each human soul. Suddenly <coughs> overwhelmed, uh, and the sense of solitude of each human soul suddenly overwhelmed me. Uh, ever since my marriage, my emotional life had been calm and superficial. I had forgotten all the deeper issues and had been counted, uh, had been content with flippant cleverness. Uh, suddenly the ground seemed to give way beneath me and I found myself in quite another region. Within five minutes, I went through uh, some such reflections as the following. The loneliness of the human soul is unendurable. Nothing can penetrate it except the highest intensity of the sort of love that religious teachers have preached. Whatever does not spring from this motive is harmful, or at best, it follows that war is wrong, that a public school education is abominable, that the use of force is uh, deprecated, and that uh, in human relations, one should penetrate to the core of loneliness in each person and speak to that. At the end of those five minutes, I had become a completely different person. Um, Bertrand Russell, um, he was orphaned at three years old, and the, the loss of love uh, and the loss of intellectual certainty uh, were not entirely separate in his mind. Um, the letter was written around the same time that he published his first great work, uh, The Principles of Mathematics. It's a really dry read. I wouldn't recommend it. Um, but whenever he published this, um, uh, if you read his correspondence, um, he went into this deep depression because um, he found, although he published a proof for it, um, he had found holes in his own proof. And so he put it out there for the world to see, and if they questioned it, he'd fess up, but he didn't really like, present that as like, oh, I failed. Um, but he had found holes in his own proof, and it spiraled him into this deep depression. Um, he ended up breaking up with his wife. Um, he lived the rest of his life really lonely and dedicated to this horrible pursuit uh, that left him really empty, um, and ultimately came to the conclusion that there is no certainty, that logic isn't logical. Um, and with that, there is no love either. Um, he was agnostic or atheist, depending on what circle um, he was talking in uh, until the day that he died. Um, and that is our fate, right? If we rely on math and science and our own knowledge and wit and understanding, uh, that is our fate. It's, it's vain, it's empty. Uh, it's only in truth and love. He even uh, saw the connection um, uh, as he uh, was making this plead. Um, within five minutes, I went through some such reflections of the following. The loneliness of the human soul is un, uh, unendurable. Uh, nothing can penetrate it except the highest intensity of the sort of love that religious teachers have preached. Um, the only problem is that instead of accepting that, he just accepted that love and certainty both were out the door. And um, he died very lonely and sad. 
and uh, that is our fate. <coughs> Without this word, um, this is the only thing that promotes certainty. Um, Matt didn't even do it for him. So uh, we see uh, that we are to speak truth and love. Um, Um, so not truth solely. Um, I know so many people, oh my goodness, um, that love to, to dish out truth, right? Like, okay, I'll tell you what's up. Wow, that wife's right. Um, <laughs> and then they just lay into people, right? There's no love in it. And, and what does that create? Um, someone that, that only um, gives truth, that only uh, reprimands, that only um, sets correction, never with any love, um, people can't receive that, can they? They hate that. They hate that person. Uh, there's no love there. They can't. They can't accept it. But on the other hand, if you're only giving love and you're never giving correction, if you're never giving, man, I see those customers. Okay, th those are the clientele that I deal with at Tribble. It's people uh, that have never um, been given truth, right? Uh, they've been giving everything that they need above and beyond, um, but there's no, um, no, there's no truth given. There's no correction and all they get is stuck. Um, so then they go and have their heyday in the jewelry store and buy whatever they want, and, and they're horrible human beings that live for self and self-gluttony and self, uh, just promoting self. Uh, it doesn't give anything uh, but truth uh, and love. Um, so to understand this, I think we first have to understand what truth is. Uh, the Bible is the dispenser of truth. Um, as a believer, it serves as the absolute authority in our life. Um, the Bible has proven itself Historically, it's proven itself uh, prophetically. It's proven itself in the miracles that it records, right? Um, uh, but more importantly, the Bible is the words of God. It's the words of the Creator. And, and with that, it has authority. Um, in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God-breathed, right? It's profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect thoroughly furnished, right, to be mature, that's what we're called to be. Um, the Bible is powerful, um, it perfects us, it's our authority, it dictates the conformity that needs to take place in our life. If we're called to be conformed to the image of Christ, then we need to figure out how, and this work contains that. Um, 1 Thessalonians 2.13, uh, for this cause also, thank we God, uh, without ceasing, um, when you receive the word of God, which you heard of us, uh, you received it not as the words of men, but as uh, it is in truth, the word of God, which is effectual, uh, working also, and you that believe. Um, in this passage, Paul praises God um, that the Thessalonians uh, received the word of God, not as the word of man. And we see that they study out man, uh, that men are horrible, they're corrupt, they're liars, and their, whole, their, their, their word doesn't hold any weight, right? Uh, but whenever God, the creator of the universe, who's completely just, who's perfect, who loves us, um, who sustains the entire universe by his word, uh, who created, who gave life through his word, uh, when he breathed the breath of life into us, um, uh, that holds weight, right? That is amazing. That's exciting. Um, it's that that we hold on to. That is truth. Uh, God's word is truth. Uh, the Bible is spectacular, uh, not because of the people that wrote it, but because God who inspired it, uh, who breathed it. Um, truth is absolute, it's unchanging, it's the same today as it was um, 2,000 years ago at the beginning of the church. Um, uh, it's light, it exposes lies, right? Um, we see that everything is sustained and exists by the word of God. Um, 
First Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 um, is this amazing passage, if you guys have time to turn there with me, on love. So this word that's uh, called charity here, um, it means love. It says, charity suffereth long, and is kind, uh, charity envieth not, Uh, charity uh, vaunteth not itself, Uh, it's not puffed up, Uh, doth not behave itself unseemly, Um, seeketh not her own, Uh, is not easily provoked, Uh, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, Uh, but rejoiceth in truth. Um, beareth all things, beareth all things, um, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never fails. Um, but whether there be prophecies, uh, they shall fall. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Uh, whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Um, the point here is uh, that, that God loves us, right? Um, God loves us so much. Uh, we see the character of his love. It's patient, it's kind. Um, it's not proud. It never fails. It never fails. Um, so in speaking truth, we have to speak it in love. Um, I think of soapbox preachers that are preaching condemnation to people, um, where they're, they're preaching the Bible. Maybe they're taking scripture and, and promoting it, uh, but in a condemning way. There's no love behind it. And as evangelists, our goal, our, our job is to preach truth, but to preach it in love. It's to preach it in gentleness and kindness. It's to preach it in patience. Um, uh, it says that love is enduring, right? Um, that it never fails. Um, and, and the same with truth and love, it never fails. Um, Jesus Christ is that truth and love. Um, uh, he left us pastors, he left us teachers, he left us missionaries to build up the body, uh, to reach the lost, uh, to mature the saints. And, and the only way that it can happen is by speaking truth and love. Uh, the, the heart behind any word spoken uh, has to be edifying. It has to, uh, to, to build up, not to, to prove a point, not to stick to someone. Um, that's the, the problem um, with uh, apologetics. Um, so many apologists uh, want to win a debate and not to win a soul. And, and there's no profit in that. Um, uh, but there are the occasional uh, apologetics uh, or apologists um, that appeal to, to the souls of man, right? That are doing that not to, to win an argument, not to um, be smarter, um, but to, to reach the lost world. Um, the heart of evangelism can't be to disprove um, whatever stance uh, the opposing person has, uh, but it has to be to, to love them, uh, to speak truth into their life um, that would penetrate them to their core, um, to the core of their loneliness, um, as Bertrand Russell would put it. Um, we can't allow... Uh, times where we correct brothers to be a liberty to, to lay into people, right? Um, we can't um, allow um, love to happen without correction, uh, without truth. Um, and there's so much more uh, there. Um, but ultimately, Jesus Christ um, is the answer, right? Um, we've been reading through the Gospels. We've been uh, reading through John. And um, it's amazing. Uh, every corner whenever there's a need uh, Jesus takes that that need and uses it as an opportunity to preach uh, the gospel and to show himself as the fulfillment of that need 
uh, whether it's be the, the lady at the well that needs water, whether it be uh, the people that desire food, who says, I am the living water, uh, I am the bread of life. Um, Jesus Christ is to be loved. Um, if you guys don't know him um, as love, if you don't know him as truth, if you don't know him as savior, uh, I beg you um, to ask me. Um, he has changed my life. Um, he has matured me. He has made me a new person. And um, it's the most joyous thing, especially amongst um, friends and people and, and academics just like um, Bertrand Russell um, that have lost hope and only have loneliness. Um, so uh, I'm going to leave it there. I think the worship team is going to come up and, and, and praise. As we, as we close and as we enter into uh, to worship, um, I, I want you to con consider something. Uh, this message is...